Well, friends, the day after or the week after Christmas, depending on where you are picking this up, and we are going to take a pause together, but we're actually going to hold that till we get in for a moment into the substance of our conversation today, because we, we really just want to ask, how you doing? How are you all in the day after or the week after Christmas? Usually an exhausted time of year, Alan, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. I mean, as I look back, I never remember the day after Christmas being as good or better than Christmas. It always feels a little bit of a disorientation because I've been running and planning and the moment, the big moment, the day has happened, Christmas day. And yeah, the next morning I wake up and it's a little bit of what am I supposed to do now? Or how do I deal with what I didn't have happen on Christmas? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually kind of like the first day of vacation for me. Now, hang on. I know it doesn't feel like vacation, everybody, but here's what I mean. When my soul knows I'm done with something, done with a big project, done with writing a book, done with the holidays, done with Christmas, it just starts shutting down. I mean, I just start, you know, and I, I find myself almost like hungover. Yeah. Like holiday hungover, right. having nothing to do with alcohol. Right. Or, or too much Christmas fudge. Like I'm just exhausted. And when the soul knows, hey, we hit the finish line, it kind of goes into exhaustion. Yeah. It's like the adrenaline, all of the rush of everything that was about to happen and just happened. When that's gone, it does feel like a real kind of an internal letdown or slowing down that your body has to accommodate. And John, I think for this week in particular for people, there is no break between Christmas and Monday. And so for most listeners, you go back to work Monday morning, you're in the groove immediately. There is no oh, pause. Oh, I know that that probably is true, but... I'm hoping that people have some breathing room this week, and we want to talk a little bit about caring for yourself now that the holidays have, for the most part, passed. Now, like many of you are actually still visiting the in-laws, or you're out of town, and you've got travel home, so it's not like this immediate moment of, hey, we're done. Wasn't that, wasn't that great, or isn't it good that we're done? Uh, we realize that, that this is a week of kind of bumpiness. Mm -hmm. It tends to be for a lot of people. And I have a friend who is, oh, her tradition is she packs up everything the day after Christmas, all the decorations. The day after? Yep. Done. <laughs> done. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people have a different way yes. of handling the post-holiday blues. They have a different way of handling the post-holiday crash, which is like you were saying, it's a bodily thing when, when the body stops producing adrenaline and cortisol, there is a physiological reality to this. And you had then dashed hopes or things that didn't oh, come through that right. you had wanted for Christmas day. And yes, yeah, it's a combination that's, that's pretty brutal if you're not aware of what's going on. So friends, we're not trying to break the sacredness of the season, not at all. 
I actually love um, this season now is called Christmas Tide in the church calendar, and this carries on through January sixth, the Feast of Epiphany, and I. I kind of practice it like that. I, I look forward to these days of a little more quiet. You know, I'm not rapping, I'm not shopping, I'm not going. So I don't mean to imply that everyone is breaking the, right. the sacredness. Right. Some people are in a wonderful place right now, giving thanks for a beautiful season. But there's two thoughts we want to give you this week. This is going to be a shorter podcast in the spirit of Let's Be Gracious. But the two things that were on my heart, Alan, coming in first, what is your post-Christmas condition? How's your heart? And are there agreements that are slipping in now? Everybody, let's just be aware. Uh, It's a term that we've used for years on the podcast. Agreements are those deep, soulful commitments, those conclusions that we come to. And it could be anything from, I am never traveling on Christmas again. <laughs> you know? It, right. It, it, yeah. Right. Uh, or it could, it could be even more, you know, difficult agreements like, see, nobody really gets me. Mm-hmm. No one really, no one was where I was at this year. I felt like I walked through the whole thing alone. Right. The, these types of agreements. Yeah. Like or with my kids, the, the younger magical season is gone. So now mm. it's just kind of get through the day, um, which yeah. isn't true. Or the agreement that often hits us is, well, that's that. Right. Meaning right. I'm just going back to work now and whatever to magic, to wonder, to sacredness, to, you know, to, whatever, that's that, let's just get on. Right. My dad used to have a saying that to him helped make sense of the world, but it always cracked me up because he'd always just say, well, it is what it is. And as I got older, I felt like it is what we make it. Like, And if we agree with the wrong things, we make it the wrong thing. It's a cynical statement. Right. To be honest. And it's a way of burying heartache, disappointment, and frankly, longing and desire, and that's not a good thing to do. So the first recommendation we have for you today or this week, and again, let's be kind this week, but at some point to say, Lord, are there agreements slipping in right now? It's so helpful to catch them early rather than when they've really become entrenched and we've lived into them for a week or two or a month or two. Yeah, just to ask, um, Holy Spirit, am I slipping into some agreements right now about people, my family, the holidays, the world? Yeah, because once you make those agreements, then they really do become the lens through which you experience life. Yeah, it's a really vulnerable week, I think, for most people. So to ask that question of what is trying to get in. Yeah. And what am I letting maybe get in by some of the thoughts in my mind? Because during this week, the best thing you can probably do is just to remain close with God. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing, um, just to give you all, just check in on the possibility of some agreements that might be creeping in. And the second, and maybe more important, 
that we want to remind you of is the importance of transition. For many people, they shift immediately from Christmas is over, 2023 has begun. Hmm. And they are already into the new year. It's January 5th in their psyche. And it's, all right, let's go. You know, let's get back to things and let's stomp on the accelerator and, and get, and there's no transition. This is a week of transition, friends. It is. Even if you have to go back to work, the world is typically pretty quiet this week. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of offices are shut down. So you're going to get a little less email. Most of us, you're going to get a little less. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, deadlines, right. hopefully. Anyhow, the, the grace of transition, the soul needs transition. And as we're moving from, yeah, the, the push from Thanksgiving to Christmas, before we transition into the new year and new plans, new focus, gym memberships, you know, all that stuff that goes up in January. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Stop yourself, everybody. Not helpful. What your soul needs right now is transition. And so, Alan, I wanted to read a little bit from the chapter in Get Your Life Back on transition. Good. I think this will be helpful for folks. So this is chapter six in the book, Get Your Life Back, and it's entitled Allowing for Transitions. And I think that idea of allowing for them, permitting, giving space, agreeing with transition. Good. Yeah. Okay. And it begins like this. One of my favorite books is Horn of the Hunter the story of an African safari taken after World War II, written by the brilliant sports writer Robert Ruark. I love the book because of the narrative of several months spent roaming the African wild when it was still largely wild. There is something romantic about the era of canvas tents and land rovers in a trackless African bush with all the classic animals close by. But on further reflection, I think I love the book because of the pace of life that is being described there. No one is in a hurry, neither man nor beast. There is a languid, almost sleepy rhythm to the saga which fits the languid days and humid nights of the African savanna. Back in Ruark's day, a trip to Tanganyika was truly an adventure to the ends of the earth. In the late 40s, you flew by prop plane, slowly, and then listen to how it goes. New York to London, London to Paris, Paris to Rome, Rome to Cairo, Cairo to Asmara, Asmara to Addis Ababa, Addis Ababa to Nairobi, okay? And then on into the bush by Land Rover. Rourke describes what it was like to wake on his first morning in the jungle so very far from his New York apartment. He had just heard a lion roar nearby. And here's what he writes. It had been such a swift transition from New York to a lion in your lap. Philip Wiley, I believe it was, once wrote that when you travel by plane, you leave a little bit of your soul behind. 
I figured in my semi-sleep that a part of my soul was somewhere between Rome and Esmara, or maybe it was just now trying to check into the second-worst hotel in Addis Ababa. The lion coughed now, quite close. The birds and the insects and the baboons set up a new symphony. By debt reckoning, I estimated that my soul was just getting off the Ethiopia plain in Nairobi. And then I go on to say, those of you who have experienced the so-called jet lag of international travel can relate. When you travel by plane, it does feel like you've left a little bit of your soul behind, and it often takes days for your soul to catch up. Ruark's account is charming because it feels antiquated, a swift transition. It took him almost two weeks to reach the bush. I flew nonstop from Atlanta to Johannesburg in 15 hours. But I appreciate someone saying it is jarring to jump from one reality to another without transition. That's so good. And I mean, what stands out to me from what you just read is you can't hurry transition. You can't demand that it happen in an hour or in 24 hours. Yes. And we're in a time of transition right now, or it ought to be. Please don't just blast into the new year. Like, give yourself some grace this week, even if you're traveling, even if you do have a flight you have to catch home. Right. When you get home, where's the transition? Do you just go straight to email? Are you just jumping straight back into your to-do list? That would be cruel. So I go on in the book to say, I think it was Archibald Hart who pointed out that because we are so accustomed to moving pedal to the metal in our own world, the thing we overlook in the Gospels are all of the in-between times when Christ and his followers were walking from one town to another. When the record states, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. John 1, 43, we project our own pace upon it, not realizing it took the boys three days by foot to get there. Three days, just rolling along, talking or sharing the silent beauty, the pauses for lunch or a drink from a well, the campfires in the evening. Even as I write this, it sounds luxurious. Christ does not move immediately from one dramatic story to another. There was downtime, transition time between those demands, time to process what had happened. These are the moments you see the disciples asking questions like, what did you mean by, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, time to catch their breath before the next encounter. That was the pace Jesus felt was reasonable for people engaged in important things and wanting a life with God. Time we would categorize almost as vacation time. For those are the only periods we allow ourselves a stroll, a lingering lunch, a campfire conversation. We highly progressive moderns try to keep up without any of those intervals and transitions. That's huge. So, Alan, what are you going to do for transition this week? What are you going to allow your soul? What are you going to provide for your soul by way of transition? One of the first steps is I have to not look to busyness 
as an antidote to the restlessness. I know for me, the danger is always just to start moving and go fast again. And so what I'm going to do in this week is actually stay away as much as I can from the distractions, which is a laptop, my phone, yep. just doing a lot instead of trying to slow down and just go at the speed God wants me to go. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's huge because if I will detach from the distractions, there's a chance for me to transition gently yeah, and to hear whatever God wants to speak into my heart from Christmas and things that did or didn't go like I thought they would. Exactly. Thank you. Right. The heart still needs to process Christmas. Yes. And to give thanks for joyful moments and laughter and to invite Christ into some of the disappointments, right? The unmet longings and desires that the yearning that the human soul brings to Christmas is the yearning for the kingdom of God. It is the yearning for the city of God, for celebration and joy and parties. It cannot be met even by the best Christmas, because even if you had a fabulous Christmas, either today or soon, you're packing up and saying goodbye or your family's leaving or, you know, okay. So transition allows the heart breathing room to process, to ask questions, to put words to things. It would just be really helpful for your soul this week to just put words to things. How did it go? <laughs> right? And how am I doing? There you go. And how am I doing? So here's what, here's what I've, I've done. I've already put an automatic responder on my email that says, you're not going to hear from me till probably January 4th. I'll be back to work on the 2nd, but you're not going to hear from me even for a few days after that. Like, I just create, wow. create some boundaries, right? And then my compulsion is cleanup. I I feel like if I can clean everything up this morning, my life will be better. I really believe that. Does it work? (laughs) Order feels like the answer to all things. (laughs) And no, no, it's distraction. It's preoccupation. And so here's what I'm going to do. What am I going to do for transition? I'm going to do a lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. I'm going to take the dogs for a walk. I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to allow myself a nap. That sounds good. I, I am going to watch, I'm going to watch something. I, I probably will watch a little bit of the, some of the highlights of the World Cup or maybe one of my, my fly fishing shows, but I'm going to rest and I'm going to allow myself transition this week, the whole week. Now, yes, I will eventually clean up the mess. But the whole point is not to charge into it or charge past it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, guys, listen, 23 is coming (laughs) like like a freight train. It's coming. There's no reason to hurry it. I love your earlier comments too about Epiphany and, and how throughout church history, things didn't end on the celebration, Mm -hmm. the joy, the wonder didn't stop when the Christmas gifts were unwrapped under the tree. Like it, yes. it went on to give the soul time yes. to the, celebrate and transition. The famous song, the, the 12 days of Christmas on the first day of Christmas, that, 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 that's now. 
those 12 days are actually now. I never realized that. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas tide. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, mm. yeah, bless you, friends. Um, that's enough. That, that's enough. That's full. We're going to now take our pause. We decided to put the pause here at the end after we talked about these things. Let's all take a moment and just let the soul have the grace of transition. So we're going to play a little music and I'm going to lead you in a gracious pause and prayer. Let's begin with benevolent detachment. However good, however hard, whatever's coming, you can give all things to Christ. You really can. Your soul can do this. Cast everything upon me is the invitation. Jesus, I give it all to you. I release it all now. I release Christmas, I release the coming new year. I release, yeah, travel and pressure and chaos. Just take a moment to name the things you need to release. Name the people that you are now releasing to God. And now what we pray is, Jesus, what I need this week is you. And I accept that you have built the reality of transition into the universe, into the soul, into the seasons, into the human body. I accept the reality of transition. And I'm just going to take a moment right now of quiet to ask you, Jesus, restore my union with you. And sometimes it helps me, friends, I'll just sit in a moment like this and I'll just say his name. I'll say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, let this week be a time of transition for me. Let me accept that. Let me find the cadence. Protect transition for me. Put a hedge of fire around it. I'm not going to charge into the new year. I release the coming year and demands to you. All my questions, I release that. I pray for grace this week. I pray for you. In your name, we all pray together. Amen.